Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Black Baseball Mixtape Podcast. I am your host, Cheats. As always, the BBM Podcast is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. I want to thank everyone that has gone to the podcast, subscribed, and left a rating. Please leave a rating. Rate us five stars if you if you so choose. I would really appreciate it. We got to counteract any... Uh, I think we've only had all fives and maybe one four, but we had to counteract that four. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Please go subscribe. I am so excited Uh, on today's show. I'm pumped, man. We just keep getting blessed with amazing, amazing guests. I am joined on this edition by Del Matthews, who is the vice president of baseball development of all of Major League Baseball. Del, welcome to the mixtape. So honored to have you. Man, Cheats, appreciate you having me. Uh, definitely uh, five stars in my book for you, brother. So uh, we haven't even started yet. We'll, we'll see how it goes after <laughs> it's over. But I, I didn't go into look. You're lengthy because it is a lengthy, lengthy bio before like to get to the place of vice president of baseball development. I know there's a lot. We're gonna get to your career. Let's start with the now. You just came off of the Dream Series. I think not, not too long, maybe a weekend ago or so. The Dream yeah. Series is one of your babies, right? As baseball, as, as leader of baseball development. And it is something that I think everyone should know about. Quickly explain what the Dream Series is to people that may not know and, and your involvement and in, in, in what is, and this is a kind of, I think, a small part or, or actually a pretty big part, but it's a part of what Major League Baseball and your office is doing to help elite level black players play the game of baseball. Yeah. So, so really the, the dream series, um, the genesis of the dream series, really it, it's the brainchild of, of Tony Regan's um, who, who I report to is the chief uh, baseball development officer for major league baseball. And Tony uh, came up with the idea uh, we were doing development camps and uh, there was an article um, in the USA today about uh the dearth of African-American pitchers and catchers in the game. And uh, Dave Stewart had a couple of comments just, uh, you know, that was uh, not critical of MLB per se, but just critical of the environment and the lack of, of black pitchers that he saw uh, in the game and, and catchers. And so um, sitting down with Tony, he said, you know what, let's, let's do something about it. Like let's come up with a development camp. Let's get all the best black pitchers and catchers that we can find and uh, create a, a mini camp for them and put them in a big league uh, environment in a spring training facility. And so um, the angels, uh, Tony's former uh, uh, place where he worked, um, they allowed us to host our camp there. And really um, we host a three day mini camp. We treat the players like big leaguers. We're able to fly them in um, with uh, USA baseball that underwrites the costs. And we fly them in for four days and uh, we give them the experience of, of what it's like to essentially be in spring training, first couple of days of spring training. Mm-hmm. And um, pitchers throw bullpens. We work on skill development and defensive drills for the uh, the catchers. We go through fundamentals. And um, a couple of years ago, we added defensive skills to this. So we added some position players, about 25 to 30 of the best position players to go along with the pitchers and catchers. Um, and for those that are close um, to the, to the athletes in our game, most of the athletes at the high school level, the really good ones 
are pitching and playing a position. And so um, that's kind of the MO for the African-American player. And, uh, you know, we get most of those guys to come out. And uh, I've got former major league uh, players that are that are coaching with us. And um, we just take them through the ringer, man. It's it's a great time. We've got off the field programming where we'll talk about um, mental health. We'll have scouts that come in and talk to them, uh, individuals from the NCAA. Uh, we've had uh, umpires. We talk about jobs in baseball, umpires, broadcasters, uh, really the whole gambit. And um, this year we were lucky enough that Hunter Green, um, who is an alum of the program uh, in our first year in 2017, uh, he's obviously in the big leagues now, mm-hmm. decided that he wanted to host the group. And so really that was uh, the icing on the cake that those kids had a chance to experience some time with Hunter Green. Uh, MLB Network came in, Harold Reynolds and Chris Young, to really help uh, promote the event and talk about the event to create more awareness. And um, really, it's been awesome. It's ironic when you think about it. MLK holiday uh, in Arizona. Arizona was the last state to oh, trust me. adopt <laughs> oh, trust MLK. Fans of, pu- fans right? of public enemy know. We know. Yeah. So by the time I get to Arizona, (laughs) so to come full circle, right. And have an event around the Martin Luther King Jr. Holiday uh, and baseball um, and, and named uh, after the namesake of of MLK, the dream series. Um, It's an opportunity to engage with the kids, but also tell them a little bit about their history, uh, the significance of, of MLK and his words and his speeches. And so literally, um, you know, we're playing music in the background during batting practice, but we're also, you know, playing the MLK, I have a dream speech or I've been to the mountaintop speech. And so the kids get a chance to hear those words while they're with their friends, while they're enjoying the game on a major league field uh, in Arizona that time of year. Uh, it just doesn't get much better than that. It's engaging. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The relationships that are developed there with the players. Uh, it's a brotherhood like none other. And uh, we just continue to build on it. We've been doing it since 2017. Each year gets better and better. Um, the staff is engaging, a lot of fun, a lot of experience. And uh, really, it just kind of helps to kick off their high school season. So they're getting ready to gear up to start play. And so it's a little inspiration, a little jolt, essentially, uh, right before the beginning of the season. And uh, it's just been a tremendous effort. And um a lot of fun. And so really I give credit to Tony. I kind of help execute some of the logistics, uh, but uh, it's, it's been amazing. And uh, the experience and, and uh, the feedback that we get from the parents and the players is that, uh, you know, there's nothing like this out there. And so we're just, uh, we're glad that we were able to create it and we've got the support to, to continue to be able to execute. One of the things that shocks me when I talk to young black players as they go through their journey is the lack, especially the the higher levels they seem to get the lack of people that look like them when they're playing high level travel ball, if they're going to these things. So the fact that you were able to bring some of the best high school players around the country, they can look around and see that there are other black elite players that are, you know, they're there. There's a big group of them. And they can yeah. kind of relate to each other. Talk about that a little bit because you did mention the bonding experience. And I don't want that piece to go missing because yeah. that is such an important part for high level black players to see players that look like them, that may act like them. And that's not something that they get across the country when they're kind of 
separated and only playing. They might be the only black player on their team. Yeah, I mean, that's the typical experience for a lot of the um, elite African-American players, especially if you're not in the South. Um, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and, and played on all-star teams and travel teams. Um, and I was usually only one or, or two, uh, you know, if I was lucky, individuals that were African-American on the team. Um, that is the experience for most. And so when you have the opportunity to come to a dream series or Hank Aaron Invitational, mm -hmm. really we're purposeful and intentional with pulling kids um, that are African-American so that we can put them in an environment where they all get a chance to be together. Uh, one, from a culture standpoint, but two, as you mentioned, for a barometer so that they can see there are other kids out there that love the game as much as they do, um, that are as good at the game uh, as they are, and sometimes even better. And so everybody's able to kind of see where they're at and really um, inspire each other to continue to play well. Um, they have friends when they go to other events uh, now that they've participated in our events. And so that happens year over year. And uh, really these kids, by the time they get to college or eventually pro ball, uh, they know each other really well. They've got built-in friendships that take them all the way back to their freshman year high school uh, through some of our events. And, um, that's just special. I mean, I having experienced that and knowing what that's like, um, I did play in HBCU and those were mm -hmm. the best times of my life. Uh, my baseball experience, just the environment, the, the, the culture. And so really what I'm trying to do is double down on that and give those kids that same experience. Um, so that, uh, you know, hopefully it continues to ins inspire them to, uh, to play the game. Joe, you mentioned in passing uh, the Hank Aaron Invitational. So we have Dream Series, the Hank, uh, Hank Aaron Invitational, which was yeah. broadcast on MLB Network last season. I was able to see that game. I was so excited to see it. What are some of the other things that fall under your preview and development that falls under what MLB is doing to expand the game, particularly for Black American players? Yeah, so we have the Hank Aaron Invitational that happens in July after the All-Star Game. We do uh, two weeks of that event at our training complex in Vero Beach, usually uh, or formerly the uh, home of the Dodgers. It's now the Jackie Robinson Training Complex. Mm -hmm. And so we bring in 125 kids each week, uh, 250 kids total. And then at the end of the second week, we take the top 44 kids after Hank Aaron's number. We take them to Atlanta, uh, fly on the plane together, bus to the hotel together, eat our meals together, uh, work out together, and then we play a game. Um, in Truist Park. The Braves have hosted us the last uh, three years for that event, and uh, that's been an amazing experience. Players get a chance to play in a big league stadium. Um, you know, the Braves are have been good the last last few years, so that's been great. Um, and so the kids love it. It's, it's, it's awesome. So we have the Hank Aaron Invitational. We also have our Breakthrough Series event, mm -hmm. um, and that's similar to the Dream Series, except we do that in June. Uh, and so we're taking the top upperclassmen and about 80 kids, again, bring them down to Vero Beach and, and we we run our development camp and then we play in tournaments uh, during the fall. So um, some of the problem we were seeing is a lot of our kids weren't being recruited. Mm -hmm. And so what we decided to do is to put teams together and essentially take the kids to where the recruits were. So we get a chance to go to, you know, Jupiter with Perfect Game and also Fort Myers with the underclass where many of the college coaches are recruiting, um, recruiting players. And so we put uh, a team in those tournaments 
And the teams we put together are pretty good. We usually end up in the top, you know, four or five teams that are there. And uh, our players are really talented and good. And a lot of kids are, are getting scholarship offers uh, after having competed in that event. So that's been something that's been really successful for us. And so we continue to do that. And then uh, under my purview this year, we've started the uh, HBCU Swingman Classic uh, partnership. I heard, with, I heard about this. Yeah. Partnership with King Griffey Jr. How and, exciting. And our Youth Development Foundation, and uh, we were talking about Junior Junior earlier offline, and uh, you know, growing up watching Junior, even though my father played the game and I grew up in the game, um, you know, Junior is still an iconic player, and so that's now a, to yeah, have that's no, look, that's no comparison. That's just Dad. Like you see Dad, yeah. that's Dad. But when you see Kid Ruby Junior, that's different, right? That's Junior, right? Yeah. And so I actually, when I was with the White Sox, he uh, he spent his last you know year with us. Um, and I had the opportunity to be around him at that point. He was he was awesome as a player. But now to be able to work with him post-career, um, Junior, uh, you know, he's a Hall of Famer, had a tremendous career, one of the best players in MLB uh, ever. But some of the things that he's doing off the field now, one, with his brand, Swingman, um, two, with the idea of 42 and, and retiring 42 um, in every ballpark. That was his idea. Yeah, that was his idea. And so now he's come up with the Swingman Classic uh, and engaging the HBCUs and African-American players. And so um, Junior's charting his own path, you know, off the field post-career now and uh, working with him and the events that we get to do. I mean, he's heavily involved. I mean, everything from designing uniforms to talking about the players and coaches and that sort of thing. I mean, this this is his signature all-star game now. And uh, what a great legacy uh, when you talk about off the field, and I'm just thrilled that I get to get to be a part of it. It really, for me, um, culminates my experience as a as a high school player, as a college player playing in an HBCU, uh, working for a professional club in the Chicago White Sox in the minor leagues, and now MLB. I get to bring all those experiences together and really um, put on an event that I think is going to be um, second to none. And so. Uh, that's fun. It's inspiring uh, every single day. And like I said, there is a culture of black baseball that's it's percolating. And I think it's just um, we're just at the tip of the iceberg and and hopefully going to be seeing some big things here in the next couple of years. I, I agree. And I tend to look at things like last year's draft. Um, when you look at the number of black American born players, one of the interesting things that was was brought to my attention that I did not know because I'm learning and this as as I explore in this and I talk to more people and I'm learning things it, there's there's almost two ways when you look at black participation especially in the major league level there's obviously the young guys coming up which I think you have a tremendous hand in in the role that you guys are doing and MLB's doing and all the things that you just talked about because they are building this rich level of a young uh, of alumni most of them yeah. like like Hunter Green and then there's this other side of the spectrum is is kind of the veteran players uh the ve- veteran african american players that may be on you know that may be on the cups of that next contract but it seems like to 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 ultimately change the percentage numbers we need to keep those veterans and influx the system with young players. Is that something you've seen? Because that was the concern is like, well, if the veterans age out and we and we have there's not enough right now 
just yeah. just on the one side from the bottom up. We've got to keep those veterans that we have in the game. Yeah, well, retention, right? That's yeah. that's the that's the biggest part of it at the end of the day. And so, uh, certainly, we want new players coming into the game, younger players, Absolutely. but we want to we want to keep the guys that we had. I remember when Adam Jones retired a couple of years ago. I was like, dang, like man, we could. <laughs> I think Adam Jones heart. can still play, heart. right? Right. Yeah. Yep. And, and and D Gordon, um, yep. you know, D Gordon, I think came back towards the end of the last year, but but D Gordon, uh, extremely athletic, really good yep. player. And and even uh CC a few years ago when when CC decided to hang him up. I mean, those are those are some strong pillars, man, that uh played the game for a long time, had long careers. And so now we need some guys, we need some guys coming up behind them, right? Yep. And so um, you know, it's one thing to get to the big leagues. My father always told my brother and I this, like, look, getting to the big leagues was easy. It's staying there that's tough, right? Because you always have guys coming behind you that are competing and want to take your job. And so they're you hungry. Have to they're be, hungry. And they're hungry. So you got to stay hungry. You got to stay humble and, and you got to stay healthy, right? The three H's. And so um, I say, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we need to retain as many as we can. But hopefully we're building this pipeline to where – We've got a crop of players that are coming up each and every year. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to flood the collegiate market. We're trying to flood the the professional market. And um, the guys in the minor leagues, we're trying to help those guys and keep those guys encouraged um, so that hopefully they get an opportunity to get to the big leagues and, and prove uh, that they belong uh, and establish themselves as um, everyday major league players. Dell, let me switch gears and ask you about your journey, especially in the front office. I know you mentioned that you were a player. You played uh, at Texas Southern, and then you, you played in the minors as well in the Brewers organization. But you then made the switch to go into kind of the front office, the executive level of baseball. You worked, I know, in the Chicago White Sox organization. But, but tell me about that decision because a lot of people – you know, either they want to yeah. keep playing or it wasn't like it's not the easiest decision, but you made the decision to to hang up the spikes and then turn into uh, a career, a very successful one in, in front office. Tell me about that decision and then tell us a little bit about your journey as an executive. Yeah, Cheats, I appreciate that. So uh, actually, you know, the process uh, really it, it was a sobering process, I think, for every player um, when they come to the decision that they're not going to play anymore it can be tough, man. I mean, mentally you've lived your whole life, uh, pursuing a dream. You've gotten used to a lifestyle and a routine, a certain cadence to how you go about your business preparing, uh, for a season. And so, um, that's, that consumes you when you're trying to be a professional athlete at the highest level. And so for me, that was my life. My mom always told me to have something, um, have a fallback plan, you know, in case it doesn't work out and, you know, that was kind of her spiel, like, hey, you need to go to school and I hope baseball works out. I hope you get to the major leagues and you make a lot of money. But if you don't, you need to have a fallback plan. And her she always preached education. And so um, for me, when I had to hang them up, man, it was it was one of the toughest decisions I, I ever had to make. I probably could have played independent ball a couple more years, um, but I knew it was time for me. And so uh, my brother was playing. And, um, you know, was budding in the big leagues. And so for me, I started to get really uh, excited for him. And so I decided to go back to school. I was close to, to graduating, only had a few more semesters left. Um, so I decided to go back to school. And to be honest, I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do or how I was going to do it. 
but part of going back to school was was figuring that out. And so um, ironically, I'm taking a communications class on interviewing and uh, I had to to uh, pick someone uh, that I wanted to interview in, in a career I was in. And so at the time I was deciding, like, do I want to go into broadcasting? My dad had done some broadcasting. And so I thought about that. Um, I also thought about uh, potentially becoming an agent. You know, my brother was was kind of in his first or second year in the big leagues. And so we were just thinking about like, okay, I need to learn the business side of this and and that sort of thing. Um, so I was considering that. And then I saw an, an, an interview, I was in, in Chicago. I saw an interview with, with Ken Williams and uh, Ken Williams had just gotten hired to be, become the GM of the White Sox. And uh, I'm looking at this brother that was sharp, polished, mm-hmm. kind of looked like Eddie Murphy a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay, uh, what, like, what's his background, right? So I, I flipped through a media guy and um, looked up his background. And I was like, yeah, like and he played in the minor leagues. Uh, he went to Stanford. Um, his career didn't work out as a major leaguer, but then he became a minor league director. He scouted and he worked himself up to a GM. So I started researching about GMs and the history of that. And, um, remembered that Bob Lucas, um, you know, uh, had had, um, you know, headed the Braves up. Uh, Bill Lucas, I'm sorry, had headed the uh, the Braves up. And uh, just kind of start doing my research. And then I was like, you know what, maybe maybe this is something I want to do. So I used my resources to land an interview with uh, with Ken Williams. And That's I got great. him on the phone for about 30 minutes. After that conversation, uh, I was sold. I was like, all right, everything That's that I tried amazing. to do as a, as a uh, former professional player trying to get to the big leagues. Now I'm going to take all of that, channel that energy and do the same thing in the front office uh, to hopefully become a GM one day. And so that's basically how it started for me. And so I ended up finishing school, graduating, um, got an internship with the Cubs. Yep. This um, is a really Chicago themed experience. Yeah. For, I, was in, I was in Chicago. I was in Chicago. And, Hometown. You know, I, listen, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I, I grew up in the game. My dad played for the Cubs. So yeah, it yeah. was, I don't want to say it was easy for me to get the job, but I knew a few people pulled a few strings. Hey man. Um, and I was able to, uh, you do what to, you got to do, bro. Yeah. So got the internship with the Cubs, loved it, uh, opened me up to more, um, to, to really how the front office worked, uh, on the business side. Um, but I knew I wanted to work on the baseball side. And so I just, I started networking, um, and was able to land, uh, another internship in the Arizona fall league. Uh, mm-hmm. so I, that's where I got my first kind of baseball operations job, um, worked in the fall league in 2005 and, uh, just loved every component of what I was doing mm. and um, really just kind of inspired me to really have that, uh, that career. And so um, networked, I did a good job during that internship. And um, about a year and a half later, I was able to get a job with major league baseball and, and what, what they were calling at the time, the executive development program. Mm. Um, they've, they've since reformat reformatted it. And Tyrone runs the, the pipeline uh, develop development pipeline program, yep. and so um, I was selected to participate uh, in the inaugural executive development program, and um, that was the start of my journey. I uh, got a chance to to work here in the commissioner's office for a year, and then they placed you with the club for the year. And so my experience working in the labor department here, working in international baseball operations, MLB.com was a really comprehensive experience. I soaked it up, um, met a lot of people, 
And so when it was time for my club placement, it uh, brought me back to my roots in Chicago. And that's how I landed with the the White Sox this time back. on the South Side. Did you say, for, was it back with Mr. Williams? Working for none other Full than Kenny circle. Williams. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing journey. While you were saying this, I have to ask this question because you've seen both sides of this. What is the more challenging experience for a for a black person, black man, yeah. playing the game or being in the front office? So going through the journey as a player or going through the journey as a front office executive, what is the more challenging journey? For a black yeah. man pursuing the option, well, I mean, I would say the front office is probably a little more challenging. Uh, one, you're you're, um, you know, when you're on the field, you can deal with things a certain way. You know, you, you're you you're not in a corporate environment when you're on the on the field. You can talk to each other a certain way. Um, you can handle your business a certain way. Uh, when your teammates aren't doing well, there's a certain way that you can challenge them. Uh, to to motivate and get the best out of them. In the front office, you got to be obviously a little bit more diplomatic. Um, That's a great and, word. Yeah, I mean, and to, you know, to be honest, you know, every, mostly everybody in the front office has has their education, has gone to school, and so now you're rubbing elbows with um, people that have have gone to some of the greatest institutions in the country, uh, that are really smart, um, that are diverse, have have different backgrounds, and so now um, you have to learn how to work together as teammates uh, with people from from different perspectives, similar to the team setting, but it's just, it's in a different environment, right? And so now um, you're sitting behind a desk in a computer, you, you know, you have to communicate a different way. And so for me, um, you know, I, I don't want to say it was a natural transition, but uh, I think it, it, there were definitely some challenges along the way. I think, you know, dealing just, just political um, you know, and bureaucracy, those sort of things sure. that you, you deal with in it's corporate environments. Big organization. Yeah. Big corporate, yeah. nonprofit organization. No doubt. And working with the clubs, it's, it's the same way. And, you know, the other thing is, I think something that's similar is the competitiveness. Um, mm. People on the field are extremely competitive, but people in their careers and specifically in the front offices with baseball are extremely competitive. Everybody wants to be the GM but there's only one GM, right? And right. you know, our generation is is a little bit more, I think, apt to paying their dues and making sure that they put in the time and the effort. I think the generations becoming behind us, um, they're more instantaneous. They want the instant gratification, and they're smart and they're qualified, uh, but they're not willing to wait ten to fifteen years before they become a director or a vice president. They want it now. They feel like, you know, they can run a system now. And and you see many GMs that are hired at you know, 31, 32 sure. years old, 34 years old, right? <laughs> Leading these multi-million dollar organizations. So like, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it's extremely competitive. And I think for me, that was the biggest shell shock. I thought uh, having played the game and yeah. then gone back to school to get my degree and having played prof professional baseball, that it would be easy to get a full-time job. And so what I learned after my internship, while I had to get a chance to work in the Arizona Fall League, and I had the chance to work in the executive development program. That was like a three and a half year process. You know, I waited right. tables. Right. I waited tables at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse in between what? that journey. Right. What? And so like that is part of the journey. Right. That's I, crazy. I had to cut my teeth and, and pay my bills and take care of my family um, at night while I pursued my dreams 
you know, during the day. And so similar to uh, an actor yeah. or, yeah. or, a, you know, you know, honing your craft. Um, it was hard, man. I emailed 30 clubs and got a couple of answers, but nobody was hiring. And so I say that to say at the end of the day, you know, I paid my dues and I, I stayed with it. I persevered and I was able to get the opportunities that I got. Um, and I'm sure my name helped me along the way, but your name may only get you into the door. You know, sure. you have to prove you yourself perform. once you get you gotta, in. No yeah, matter who, if exactly. you're in the door, you got to perform. And when, no I, when I hear this from you, uh, two things come to mind. One is that I don't think a lot of people know about this, this, this grind, right? Like this journey. And it is really, really impressive for me to hear it from you because people will look at your position now. And even if you, they see the resume, they see all the things, they probably don't know that this was, you know, major league baseball doesn't pay that much. You're yeah. you're in these programs that aren't paying that much and you're, and you're working and doing your thing. Um, and I'm I'm hearing this and I'm thinking to myself, I'm sad. Like Theo Epstein's ruined it for everyone is what's happened. Is what I'm hearing here. Like it's, it's like not, come, not every not everybody's getting this these yeah, opportunities not, at this age. I'm joking. I mean, he's a brilliant, say, brilliant person. I know. Yeah, yeah. Not to say it was easy joking. for him and, no, and no, he no, had no, to do no. an internship and pay his it's a, dues. It's a joke. But, it's a joke. But to your point, um, it's extremely competitive at the end of the yeah. day. There are a lot of people that want to work in baseball. Um, there are a lot of people and there's only so many positions. And so uh, for me, I just feel blessed that I I I was prepared for the role that I'm working in now, and um, it's just uh, doesn't feel like work. Doesn't feel. Yo, like let work. me ask you this: Is now I know you're very happy. You're doing amazing work. Let me ask you this: yeah. Is GM still something that's on your radar? Maybe not today. I don't want I don't want anyone in Major League Baseball calling me and arguing <laughs> with me. But is GM something that's still on your uh, on your radar? Yeah, I think down the road, I, I think in the right situation, definitely. I, I love the work that I'm doing now and the responsibility that I have. Um, I'm involved in several programs that we have, you know, here at the commissioner's office. Um, and so, yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, there's only 30 of those opportunities. You got a better chance of getting a job in, in Congress than you do, you know, becoming a <laughs> becoming a baseball GM. But um you know, I think uh, the influence that, that you could have in that kind of position to be able to hire, you know, staff, put together a team, uh, work to compete for a World Series, uh, nothing is, is greater than that. And so um, down the road, you never know. But until then, I'll just uh, keep sowing the seeds that we're doing and, and working with our team here and uh, having a lot of fun all over the country. That's awesome. Dell, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a couple quick hitters, but but I do yeah. like where you're going with this. Uh, <laughs> and I know that GM is possibly a dream job, but let me ask this. If you had the choice between GM or commissioner of baseball, what do you choose? Ooh, man. I think, uh, man, that is, I, I, I think. Uh, Let's make it harder. Say... GM of the Chicago White Sox or commissioner of baseball. Yeah, I, I I think I'd say commissioner. I mean, at the ah. end of the day, there there hasn't been anybody uh, that's African American that's been in that position, and so mm. now you're talking about influence of the game at the ownership level, um, at the you know at the negotiation table with the union. I mean that that Rob has a big job, obviously, and he sure. he's uh you know he he never makes everyone happy. Um, I don't know how he does it. Quite the opposite. But, uh, yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not, I don't have any beef with the commissioner, but it's a, it's a very thankless job. All the commissioners of all the major yeah. sports, you don't hear great stories about commissioner no. doing X, Y, Z. No, but uh, I think 
by the time his commissionership is done, the legacy that he's going to leave is going to be pretty, uh, pretty amazing. Absolutely. And, uh, I agree with you. Much better for it. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. Absolutely. Um, I ask all of my guests this question. And as you being a former pr- professional baseball player, this is something I'm very interested to hear from you. If you could face any pitcher, living or dead, you can step in the box and face anyone. Who do you face? Man, that's got to be Satchel Page. I like that's a great answer. Yeah. That's a great I mean, answer. You know, I never, I, I never had a chance to uh, to meet Satchel, um, but obviously, I've heard tremendous amount of stories, um, and I just, uh, you know, iconic figure and uh, personality, and uh, you know, my dad has told me stories about J.R. Richard and and, and mm-hmm. Bob Gibson and how uh, intimidating uh, Gibson was. Uh, my brothers told me about Randy Johnson and Pedro. Um, but I think Satchel, man, to, to, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a throwback. I mean, if I could live in any era, uh, it probably would have been during, during the Harlem Renaissance, man. And so, I don't know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be careful. I know we romantic had certain things. I joke right, around because right, right, I was right. like, I have people, I have people that tell me all the time. It's like, man, I'd love to play in the Negro leagues. And I'm like, yeah. I get what you're saying in theory. It's but I've nostalgia, read those. Right? I've yeah, read those yeah. books, brother. It is not. It is not that sweet on that time. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, looking through this lens, looking backwards, yeah, you, yeah. You, you could say that. Obviously, the times were extremely rough and 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 hard. But uh, hey, look, I, I know I what you. I know what you're getting saying. A time I know capsule, what you're saying. I'm, I get I'm, it. I'm digging in. I'm digging in against uh, Mr. Satchel Page. Um, you mentioned that your your father played, your brother played, so you've probably been around a lot of uh, pro baseball players. And now, obviously, in the role that you're in at Major League Baseball, you're around young players, old players, and so forth. Is there any time, any player that you've met throughout your journey uh, that you were like, man, I can't believe this person's here? Like, oh, not, not, I'm not saying you were shook. But is there one that somebody walks in the room and you're like, that's starstruck material? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's uh, so that that's happened to me twice um, and doesn't really happen in baseball because I, I, I grew up around it. Um, but um, so Dusty Baker's my godfather and I, I grew up in the Giants clubhouse um, pretty Very much cool. all the time. Anytime Dusty was coming to town in Chicago or when I was in college in Houston, you know, we, we, he was always taking me out, taking my friends out, taking us out to dinner, hanging out <laughs> with us. Uh, I could tell you all kinds of stories, but uh, uh, I say that to say um, being around Barry Bonds, his presence, mm-hmm. um, you know, even as a kid, you know, he was intimidating in the locker room and my dad played with his dad um, and BB, he was always cool with me. Um but I mean, he just the way he walked around the locker room, the way he walked around the batting cage, watching him go about his craft. It's like, man, that's that's Barry. And, mm. um, you know, to this day, I've, I've seen him, you know, since I've been an adult, I've seen him a couple of different times. He always has a big smile on his face and gives me a hug. He's a, he's a great guy. But I just remember, you know, at 12, 13, 14 years old, being around Barry, being in complete awe. Uh, and even when he was, you know, with, with the Giants when I was in college and, and seeing him then just uh, being amazed by how good of a player he was and um, just his presence. Him and Michael Jordan have by far the two of the athletes that I've met that I've been I've been starstruck. Yeah, these are no one blames you. These are not normal. <laughs> these are not normal individuals. I I, yeah. I joke around. Um, 
I work in in an atmosphere where every once in a while somebody will walk in the room and you feel like the I told my wife, I'm like the air changed. This yeah, this person walked in the room and the air changed. And so yeah. I know exactly, exactly what you're talking about. Del, I'm going to get you out here on a couple, a little more serious questions in regards to what we were talking about and what your role is. What do you say to casual fans that may not know about baseball development? They may not know about the Dream Series. They may not know about the Hank Aaron Invitational, all the things that you're doing. But they hear this narrative that baseball needs to do more. We need to get more black participation. We need to get more players, you know, black players at all levels. And I and I'm sympathetic because I I agree baseball, uh, the media, every I feel like everyone has to do more. And I asked I, I I've I've had this exchange recently with with our audience about what can fans do, uh, and that was a really <laughs> in many ways a really triggering question to black fans like what can we do to get more black people at the ballpark? Um, what do you say to people that say hey we need to do more baseball needs to do more to get black participation up. Yeah, so I, for those that don't know, um, cheats, I would say, uh, you know, there's one simple thing you can do is 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 use your double click. And if you double click down on the things that we're doing, you do just a little bit more research, you'll know that there's a lot of different programs that are going on uh, at the grassroots level, all the way up to the elite uh, development level. Um, I think for for from a fan's perspective, um, and I think MLB is is doing a better job of this is just making uh, what we're doing um, awareness, right, making the fans more aware of what's going on and giving them an opportunity to uh, consume that content. And so, like, we've tried to do that uh, by putting some of our programs on uh, MLB Network. And so whether that's a visit at the Dream Series or that's a complete game at the Hank Aaron Invitational or on our biggest stage at the All-Star Game with the HBCU Swingman Classic. Like these are events that we're doing um, that gives the casual fan an opportunity to uh, look into the window of, of what's happening. And so I would just say for for fans of the game that love baseball, baseball is 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 played at its best when the best athletes are on the field. And uh, the African-American player uh, traditionally has been known for their athleticism in baseball and, and, and what they bring to the table as athletes. And so if we have the best athletes on the field, it's going to make the game better. And so from a support standpoint, I would just say, um, you know, keep watching and keep keep cheering. I think at the college level, we've got to do a better job of getting more players into the college ranks uh, and giving those kids opportunities. You mentioned some of the African-American coaches that are coaching D1 level. Coach Thompson at Georgetown is another who's doing a tremendous job, has turned that program around. And that's Georgetown, one of the most prestigious universities in our country. And their baseball team has had the best year it's had uh, since, I don't know, 1980-something. So, like, we're involved in the game. We're playing the game. We're growing the game. Uh, it's a big part of the African-American culture. Um, you think about the Negro Leagues. You think about fashion. You think about music. Um, Jay-Z said he used to run base like Juan Pierre. When you think of that, uh, that comes from baseball, right? That's Jay-Z talking He also about said Juan he made Pierre. the Yankee hat more famous than Yankees can. But In the Yankee <laughs> can, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's culture. That's that music, is culture. Man. That is that's, culture. That's, that's fashion. That's pop culture. And so um, ultimately that influence is, is, is big 
on the game of baseball. And that's uh, that's what our culture brings to the game. And so uh, I say embrace it and uh, I say get ready for what's next. Dell, because I do want to end with uh, some some those are great words. I want to end with some even more positive words, even for that, that future Dell Matthews, that future executive out there. What was the best advice you received in adjusting to the role that you're in now, which is a, you know, corporate front office, major league baseball HQ. What's the best advice you received to navigate some of those, like you said, if not difficult, some isolating water sometimes. Yeah. Um, some of the best advice I, I received early on uh, by by one of my mentors, Steve Cobb, who gave me my first uh, baseball operations job in the Arizona Fall League. And uh, Steve was great. But one of the one of the things he told me, man, and I can hear it like yesterday, he said, baseball is a people business. Uh, right. It's about relationships. And he said, if you got good relationships, you can go pretty far in this game. And so. I've seen that uh, in the very beginning of my career. I've seen it now in the middle of my career. Um, at the bottom, at the middle, at the top, uh, it's about relationships. And I've seen my boss uh, now, Tony Regan, uh, really navigate and have the success that he's had uh, really due to the relationships. When uh, you're a, uh, a chief ba- baseball development officer and you can walk into the ballpark and the grounds crew guy is hugging you. That tells you a lot about the character of, of that individual. And um, in baseball, there's people that work at stadiums. You got security cards. You got grounds crew people. You got trainers. You got bat boys. You got executives. You got players. And uh, if you treat people how you want to be treated uh, and you develop good relationships, I think good things will happen. And so that's a piece of advice that I've taken from Steve Cobb. Uh, I've tried to use and implement in my career. I think it's helped a little bit and, uh, you know, having a, having a lot of success with the programs that we're running and, and tapping into former major league players largely due uh, to the relationships that, uh, that we've been able to establish. Dell, that is a solid, solid word. I think you're exactly right. We are going to leave it here before I get you out of here. I just want to say, I wish you, the absolute best as you go into this, you know, going into the season 2023, you're already doing amazing, amazing work. It is awesome to see someone doing what you're doing and doing it in a way that I know that black culture is proud of and excited and the stuff that you're participating in. And I know you probably don't hear that enough. That's the thing. One of the things I want to do on this platform and I want to do on the site is along with highlighting all of the great intersections with with baseball and black culture is to let people know that there are people like me who we just met. You know me from a can of paint, but really appreciate the work that you're doing and the work that uh, your department is doing to give young people that access that that they need to be successful, give them the advice that they need to be uh, to be successful. And it really is about pulling the next generation up because there's a there's a young Dell Matthews out there somewhere that you can identify and give them the same advice that Mr. Cobb gave you. So I wish you the very, very best, brother. We will stay in touch. We got to do this again as the season keeps going because you've got big things going on and I want people to know about it as well. So thank you, Dell. Really, really appreciate it. Tell everybody where they can find you. I know you're on social media there. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate it. Uh, Dell M. Matthews, uh, Dell, D-E-L-M-M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. I'm on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Um, also on LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, I appreciate you, Cheats, man. Appreciate the platform. And, uh, you know, I'm humbled uh, that you had me on with all the, the uh prestigious guests that have been on man you've had some it's some coming. really good people hey look some I'm of my best you, friends man have been on here talking to you uh, and i'm look, just glad uh you gave me the opportunity to speak no, with you as well we're we're gonna we're gonna do more there's more that's coming in 2023 yes. some of the people that we have coming on uh but no i'm don't worry i'll be texting you and being like hey how can we get these guys on? we yeah. got these guys on the show we got world baseball classic coming up we got yes. very yes. exciting things but I, I am so excited ladies and gentlemen that's del Appreciate matthews it. he is the vice president of baseball development at mlb uh doing really really big things so this is the black baseball mixtape podcast please be sure to subscribe rate the episodes uh and you know in my dms or in my comments ask ask questions we'll be able to answer them whether if it's not uh dell or somebody like that we'll get uh, you know i'll try to answer them i'll do the best i can <laughs> uh, no doubt brother. Until, until next time ladies and gentlemen we're out